The Pasuk says, if you will see the donkey of your enemy, um, burden, you know, um, crouched under his load, because the load is too much, and you will refrain from helping him, you shall help him. The Mechilta says, why does it say, and you will refrain from helping him and then help him? Sometimes there is a situation where you could refrain, and sometimes, or maybe sometimes even you should refrain, and sometimes, but other times you have to help. And brings two examples of where you should, in which case you should or you could refrain. The first one is If the donkey belongs to a Jew and the load that's on top of it belongs to a non-Jew, then you should help him because the donkey needs the help. The donkey that belongs to the Jew shouldn't, we don't want the donkey to become crushed or, or break his back, become useless. So you should, you have to help. But if it's the reverse, the chamer belongs to the goyim. For a goy, you don't have the mitzvah of helping. And the load belongs to the yid. Over there, you could refrain from helping. It's not an obligation to help him because you don't need to help. You're not mitzvah. You don't have the mitzvah of helping the donkey of a goy. Another example is if it was a kain, it was a, and the donkey was amongst the graves, in other words, in a graveyard. So a kain is not allowed to expose himself to tuma in order to help the donkey. So therefore, in that case, you have to refrain from helping. That explains why the Pasuk frames it in such a way. Will you, uh, will you not help him? You should help him. Say, meaning to say that sometimes you don't help him, sometimes you do. Rashi also brings the same drasha. After Rashi explains the simple, direct meaning of the Pasuk. As the Pisrim from Pasuk is that what the meaning of the Pasuk is. That Shema Tira Chamei Would you think that if you see the donkey that is uh, crushed under the load, which means with a question mark, will you refrain from helping him? Of course not. You must help him. That's the the simple meaning of the pasuk. That's what the meaning of the pasuk is saying on the Pshutosho Mikra. Then, after having explained that, bring the river dogma, and Rashi first brings an example for another case in which the the Torah phrases it in that way. From if you will say to yourself that there are too many goyim, and how am I able ever able to, going to be able to defeat them? Should you think there are so many, how am I ever going to be able to defeat them? don't be afraid of them you will be able to defeat them Hashem will be at your side so in other words saying the same thing should you think to yourself so and so I'm telling you don't think that way so then after he finished saying that Rashi continues Rashi Mamshech and the Medrash was interpreted in this way by our teachers Kisirach v'chadalta if you will see and you shall refrain, sometimes you should refrain, sometimes you, you have to help. In what case? If it's a if it's an older person or a respected person that it's not according to his uh, status, stature in the community that he should help unload a donkey. So then, uh, you, you can refrain from doing it because it's not according to your status in the community. Or the one that the, the other explanation that the Mechilt, um, that the Medrash gives, which is that if the animal is belongs to a guy and the load belongs to a yid, then you don't you can refrain from unloading it. So we have to understand them Shinu from Pirush Rashi because Rashi makes a change. 
was anstatt dem Dogma von Kayen, wo heute bei Aquarius versteht der Mechilte, sagt er, sagen wir nicht wie Kayen. In the Mechilte it says the other example is that it's a Kayen in a grave that it's, uh, would have to go into a graveyard. <coughs> so Rashi does not give that example. He gives the example of an of a of a zakeh, meaning a, an important person, a sage or somebody that uh, it would be beneath him to do something like that. Why does he change from the example that the Mechilte gives? It's true that in the Gemara and Sifri it does bring the example of an important person. That example is given on another Pasuk which says if you'll see the ox of your brother that is lost and it says over there and you will ignore them you will, you will pretend that you don't see them so don't do that so over there also the same thing is said sometimes the Torah says it's okay to ignore it which is which case if it was a kain in the, in, and the animal was in a graveyard or that he was an important person and it's beneath him to do it then he is, then he is able to ignore it is Tamua, so the question is, Halamai is Rashi, Mashim Birusha de Dugma Kayim Bayebabesakwaras. Why is it that Rashi leaves out of his explanation over here the example of the Kayan in the, uh, with a graveyard? Which is the example that the Mechilta brings on this Pasik that in our parsha um, or, or the one that he's explaining here, um, and instead he brings the example of the elder that is it would be beneath him. Which Chazal give that example for the other pasuk. So why does he switch when he could have given the example of the mechilta, which the mechilta gives on this pasuk, and he chooses an example which is given in regards to another pasuk? Another thing we have to understand: Number one, in the Mechilta he gives the first the first situation that he describes is that the donkey belongs to a goy and the load belongs to a yid. Abarashi is mishano and The Mechilta brings that that it belongs to a goy as the first example of where you can ignore it. Rashi leaves that for the second example and chooses the other one as the first one. And another thing we have to understand: Why does Rashi say, <coughs> and the Mechilta also says that, that there is sometimes that you have to help? That's obvious from the pasuk. It could be understood why the Mechilta brings that brings the positive side of it which would seem to be obvious and that doesn't have to be said but to say that sometimes you could ignore it that is something that has to be said well we can understand why the Mechilta does because it flows well with the context of the Mechilta because over there he describes the two opposite situations of the donkey and the load he gives both examples the example of the the donkey belongs to a yid, the, the load is a goyz, or the donkey belongs to a guy, and the load is a yid. The fad is that that's why the mechilta has to give you both sides. In the one situation you do have to help, in the other situation you can ignore it. You can refrain. But Rashi only brings the one example, which is that the behemoth belongs, the animal belongs to a guy, and in that case, you can refrain. So why does Rashi have to say sometimes you have to help? He didn't describe the situation in which you have to help, like the Mechilta did. So why does he have to? Say? Why does Rashi have to point out that sometimes you have to help Vibald? He doesn't describe the case in which you do have to help. And if he means to say 
that there is, you know, the general mitzvah that you have to help is dochtos mefurish and posit ozev tazid. That's something that Rashi doesn't have to say. That's clearly stated in the posit. Rashi doesn't have to reiterate that which the posit already said. So what does it mean? The Pasuk says you have to help. So Rashi says sometimes you have to help. If you want to say sometimes you can ignore it, that makes sense. But when the Pasuk says you have to help, what do you mean? Rashi, to, in order to emphasize that, he's going to say sometimes you have to help. So it can't be that he's merely telling us the general mitzvah that you have to help. So why does he give the other side as well when he didn't even describe the situation in which the sometimes you have to help applies? Days. The Tamas Rashi brings Nijdem fal for Mechilta. The reason that Rashi does not give the example that the Mechilta does, that it was a Kayan and the animal was in a graveyard. And that could be explained as follows. The reason that a Kayan is not allowed to subject himself to Tuma by going into the graveyard in order to fulfill the mitzvah of helping the animal is while by Tumas Kayan is the Allah Because by the in regards to the mitzvah of a Kayan to refrain from becoming Tomei, that involves a negative mitzvah that he's not allowed to become Tomei. And it involves also an es- a positive mitzvah. And the fad is moving and that's why it's self understood. That you can't override a mitzvah, the one about the kaya not becoming tummy, which involves would involve violating a positive mitzvah and a negative mitzvah in order to fulfill a positive mitzvah. So one positive mitzvah does not override a positive and a negative mitzvah. And that's why Rashi doesn't have to quote that example. Because in order to know that the Kayin should refrain from helping that animal doesn't need this Pasuk you will refrain from helping him. Because that is said in order to teach us something that we wouldn't otherwise know. But that a Kayin is not allowed to do that, that's obvious because there's one S against an S and a Loises. Similar to what the Gemara says in regards to the other pasuk that we quoted, the salamta, you should, you will try to ignore it. Sometimes you are allowed to ignore it. The Gemara says that this exam, this pasuk is only needed to tell us that if it's an elder and it's beneath him to do it, then he doesn't have to do it. But this pasuk is not needed in order to tell us that a kayin and the animal is in a graveyard that he shouldn't uh, get involved. As well as, the Gemara says there that we don't really need a Pasuk to tell us that if his job, the money that he earns by doing whatever he's doing, is even more than whatever this, um, this job would take, the job of unloading the animal, which the owner could hire someone and, 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 and do it and it would cost him less than I'm losing by giving up my job also I don't have to get involved because those things are obvious so we don't need a Pasuk to tell us the obvious so therefore perhaps that's why Rashi doesn't bring this example because we don't really need a Pasuk to teach that but the truth is that in any case we can't accept we can't assume as Rashi Halt as the Ptur from Beidafal Vert Abgilen from Pasuk, that Rashi, it doesn't really follow that Rashi relies on this Pasuk to tell us about the two cases that he quotes, that we know it from the Pasuk. And that's why he doesn't have to bring the, that's why he doesn't want to bring the example of the Kayan in the graveyard, because that is not really learned from the Pasuk. We can't say that because in any case we don't think that Rashi thinks that we're, we're deriving those two examples from the Pasuk. 
because according this would leave the question Nishnor Favos bringt Rashi the Dugma von Zaken Venulfik Vedavisvetnish de Montemachilta. Not only would it leave the question why Rashi brings this example of the Zaken Venulfik Veda, which is not mentioned in the Mechilta, which is the question we asked before, nor Nochma, but that would leave an, an even greater question. Fiazoi Kemen von Ein Yitter Loshem Vachadalta up learned Svebas under the Dinim, Heterim. How is how if we're depending on this pasuk to teach us these uh, these exemptions? How could Rashi learn two exemptions from one pasuk? You can only use one pasuk for one exemption. Then the two would be zokin levainel fikvaydei. The first one would be that if it's an elder that is beneath him, as the chiyuv fun prikel leparikamasa is nishdoiche kaved adam. So the first thing would be learning from this one pasuk would be that when it's a person, uh, you know, it's not, uh, it's beneath him to do it, and he doesn't have to do it. In other words, we have to show respect to the person. And then the second thing we would learn is that if it belongs to a goy, then you are allowed to refrain. What's the, what is this teaching? This is teaching that this mitzvah that the Torah gives, Azev Tazev Imai, has nothing to do with Tzar it's not that we're concerned about the animal's pain, because if we were concerned about the animal's pain, then what's the difference if it belongs to a guy or belongs to a yid? For because if it was, as I said, then it wouldn't make a difference who the animal belongs to. And since we say that if it belongs to a guy, you could refrain, that means that this mitzvah has nothing to do with sarbalachaim. There's another reason, it's about helping the person to whom it belongs. So, here's two things that we learn from one posik. that's a very difficult thing to say therefore we have to say therefore we're left with the, with the only possible explanation Ayurveda found that even though it's the, the reason how the, the way we know that these two cases and if it belongs to a guy the animal you don't have to you can refrain from helping is not that we learn it from this pasuk. From Dezveg and Rashi still Rashi brings them together. He brings both examples, not to say that we learn them from this pasuk. There may be another way that we know it from, but these are both good examples for this pasuk for when you can refrain. Because in the end, they both represent good examples of when you can refrain. So is so the question comes back. It's no longer an answer to say that Rashi can't doesn't want to learn it from this pasuk because that's we can't learn it from this pasuk. So the question comes back. So then, why doesn't Rashi give the example of what the mechilta brings, which is if it was a kayan in the cemetery, and therefore? Even though obviously the pasuk is not needed to teach that, but it's an excellent example of what, uh, what of a case in which you can refrain from helping. So Rashi could have simply said that one instead of saying, instead of reaching across to another pasuk, where over there it talks about the zakim v'sheinul zikvedei. So we'll understand this by first explaining the Tamas Rashi is Why is why does Rashi give examples of when you're allowed to refrain? especially that over there later in the Pasuk which uh, the second Pasuk that we quoted, Rashi over there also says sometimes you're allowed to ignore it. He doesn't explain over there what are the cases and when in which you're allowed to ignore it. He just writes etc. If you want to look up an example, look it up over there. But he doesn't feel the need to give you an example. So why over here does he have to give you two examples? It would be very difficult to say. As bedvarim parsha that because that pasuk v'salamta is in dvarim in parsha kiseitze is a nishma farad of harvaser falas tzichadem vaser brengt zei oif the chadalta be parsha sein in chumish mois 
And you could you, you could answer perhaps that why does he have to bring it again in, later when he explains it? Because he already gave two examples of when you're allowed to refrain from helping. So he doesn't have to give you examples again. But that would be very difficult to say that he's going to rely on something that he said in Parsha Shmois, in the middle of Parsha Shmois, to something he's saying in the middle of Parsha Devarim, which is much further away and perhaps usually the Rebbe, in the emesis that usually the Rebbe says that Rashi explains it once and then he doesn't have to say it again but it seems that if it's far enough, he doesn't want to rely, he wouldn't rely on that well Befrat, going back to what he's saying, that it's difficult to say that Rashi would rely on what he said much earlier especially in light of the fact that number one over here it talks about the mitzvah of helping unload the animal and over there, in Parshik Yisait, it talks about if you found an animal wandering, that you have to return it to its owner, which is another mitzvah altogether. So therefore, how do you know that? Because he gave an example of when you can refrain from unloading, that it also applies to Ashavas Aveda. Number two, another thing, the Tzvei fowl In Rashi Da, the second example of Rashi here, which is if the goy, if the animal belongs to a goy, pasnish by Ashavas Aveda doesn't fit into the context of Ashavas Aveda. Dvarim from Masoy Shal Yisrael Tamazichnish Masalam Zayin. Because over there, let's say if you found a donkey and there's no owner around and there's a big load on it and the load belongs to a yid and the donkey belongs to a goy, of course you have to return it. It's not because over there you have to return the load to the yid. So that example wouldn't even fit in the context of Ashavas Aveda of returning a lost object. Muzmezog, and therefore we have to say, as we bowed in Yonish Lopirush Rashi Alatayriz Narbloyz, Sumafarazayn Dixuvim, since Rashi sees it as his mission, only to explain the Psukim, Abanish Sulena Pratidina, but he's not there to teach you the details of the halachas, how they, how they, uh, you know, how they apply. That's not what Rashi is trying to do in explaining the Psukim. The fabrengte dort nishdem tale from Drosh's Chazal was in the gates of Pirushakosov, and that's why he does not feel that he needs to explain what the Chazal tell us. They give an example of when you're allowed to ignore it, but Rashi doesn't feel that he has to give those examples because it's not his job in the Chumash to teach halacha. You know, when when you're allowed to just trying to teach that sometimes you're allowed to. Uh, ignore it, and that's why the pasuk frames it in those words that w- you shall, you will ignore it. So, if, according to this, that Rashi over there doesn't find the need to explain the examples because there's no need for him as Rashi as uh, teaching the psukim to give the examples. Since in our parsha here. He does find it necessary to give you the examples of when you can uh, you can refrain from helping. Is the fungufa gedrung and that in itself teaches us ada is a pirush That over here, for some reason, the examples help us understand what the meaning of the of the words are that you're that you you can refrain. It's not enough to say that you can refrain without giving the examples because that wouldn't be enough to understand what it means. But you have to understand what why is that? the beer So the explanation is the Ikeshverkeit in the Pirusha Poshad from Kisira Chadalta, the main difficulty that Rashi has with the simple meaning, he explained what the simple meaning is, that should you think that if you see the animal of your friend under you know, crouched under its load and you will think to ignore it don't ignore it, you have to help him. That's what the simple meaning is. So the difficulty with that, with that is, the difficulty there is not only the words of the Pasuk don't flow well, because if you're interpreting the words and you will think that you could ignore it, that's what the meaning is, because according to that, the way reading it that way, it would come out as the word ki, that the word at the beginning of the Pasuk, which is if you will see, right? If you will see the donkey of your enemy um, lo- crouched under its load. So there the word ki 
should you, which means perhaps you think, or perhaps. So the word ki, in this case, the word ki, if, does not apply to the next five, six words which are in the Pasuk. Normally we would read, if you will see the donkey of your enemy crouched under its load. So the if pertains to, if you will see the animal. But over here it doesn't mean that. What is key, which is at the beginning of the Pasuk, what does it refer to? Not as to the of a The word key, should you, if you, doesn't mean if you will see the animal. If you think that you can ignore it, that's what it means. If you, if you think that you can refrain. So the word key skips over five, six words and only applies to the words if you think that you're going to ignore it. So that's one difficulty that Rashi has with the simple explanation of the words. Because it leaves a difficulty with skipping six words in order to get to the, where the key applies to. Now the Ikish Ferekad is in Teichen, but the main difficulty that Rashi has with the simple pshat is more essential. The Tam Bepashtas, Favaz the Pasuk Dav Shailu Zayndem Kosal Kadaita Vuchazalta Mahazav Loi. What is the reason that the Pasuk has to warn you that you shouldn't think that you could refrain from helping? Is Valdar Retzervein Chamer Senacha is because the Pasuk describes it as the donkey of your enemy. So the question come, becomes in other words that should you think because it belongs to your enemy now you have a right to ignore it? No. But if that's the case the question becomes a very similar thing is expressed in the Pasuk just previous to this one. If you will meet, see the ox of your enemy lost wandering over there the, the Pasuk doesn't say you think that you were gonna, you're going to ignore it and not return it to its owner he doesn't say that he just says that you should return it is Tamua so that leaves a very big question in the pre-memonashach because either way if the Pasuk finds it necessary that if it's talking about an enemy, something that belongs to your enemy, if the Pasuk thinks that it has to tell us, because it's your enemy, you think you can ignore it? No, you can't. It should have said it in the previous Pasuk, the first time that it comes up, that it's your, you see your enemy's animal lost, and you think you can ignore it. But it doesn't say that there. The first time that it brings up such a situation that we're talking about an enemy, so the Pasuk should say, you think you can ignore it, and say, no, you can't ignore it. And if the Pasuk, as it seems from the first Pasuk, doesn't find it necessary to make sure that we understand that you can't ignore your enemy's animal. Why does, it, why does the Pasuk not need to tell us? Because obviously... Why would the Pasuk have to say that? Just as it applies to all other mitzvahs in the Torah. The Pasuk doesn't say somewhere, by any mitzvah, you should eat kosher. And if you find it to be too expensive, don't think that you could ignore it. You can eat non-kosher because it's too expensive. Does the Torah say anywhere that if you find it inconvenient, to do this mitzvah, I warn you that you need to do it? Of course not. Inside, um, it doesn't say anywhere in the Torah that if somebody finds it inconvenient to listen to the tzivah, the Torah says, no, I'm telling you that you need to listen anyway. Then why in this case, in the second time that this thing comes up, that we're talking about your enemy's animal. So the Torah says, should you think that you want to ignore it? No, don't ignore it. Why the second time? Why would you think that, why does the Torah have to tell you that if you find it inconvenient, I tell you you have to do it anyway? The fun nem trashi arais. So therefore, that's the difficulty that Rashi has with this pasuk. The fun nem trashi arais. Therefore, Rashi concludes from here, 
as the Vachadalta kommt lernen Adin, was is Shaykh blows by unser Pasuk. That this Vachadalta is coming to teach us something which only pertains to this Pasuk. That's why he brings it up here. It's not just there to tell you that you think you're going to ignore it. No. It's coming to teach you a specific Allah that pertains to this situation and not to the previous Pasuk. And therefore, Rashi, it, he doesn't, he, it's not enough for Rashi to say, because it teaches that you, sometimes you are allowed to ignore it and sometimes not, and uh, leave it at that. But Norm was bringing the Falni, has to bring also the examples of when it applies, because there's something special being taught here. Because the second example that Rashi brings, which is the animal belongs to a guy and the load belongs to a yid, that's something that pertains only to this pasuk, and it does not pertain to the previous pasuk of the animal wandering and lost by Afshavas Aveda Kanal, by returning the lost uh, animal, and the Farshtet Vachadalta, Pamshat Vachadal, in the Pasuk Dafka. And that's why, because we're talking about the case of the animal belonging to a guy, and the Torah wants to teach that in this case you're allowed to refrain. And that can't be, that's not something that he could have taught in the previous Pasuk. That's why only here does he frame it in that, in that way, to teach us this, specific, this particular halacha. And that's what Rashi has to tell you, the particular halacha. So that explains why he tells you the example of the, the animal belongs to a goy. It's blight of a shver, but that still leaves the difficulty. Can I see if Olive, as we asked all the way at the beginning, why did he bring the second example of an elder and it's beneath him? Because that could apply to the other two psukim in which it's uh, talks of, uh, which it says you're allowed to sometimes you're allowed to ignore it and Rashi doesn't bring over there the example and there's no need to bring the example because that applies to all those psukim hey the beer in them so to explain that mit bringen dem medrashi is Rashi nish oisin tzazagna tzvetin pirush in pasuk when he says and the medrash is taught in this way it's not that he's giving a second explanation this is actually the continuation of the first explanation that Rashi gave. The simple meaning of the Pasuk. The Drash is Mashlim Farenfat Because this Drush that he brings, that the Chachamim say, is there to explain something that le- that's left, a question that's left from the first Pshat. And therefore he continues on into. It gives an explanation that will answer the question that comes up in the first shot. When Alpiza is Eichvastanik, was Rashi is Marabuloshoyne, and that also explains why Rashi goes into such a long introduction to this shot. And the Medrash, this is how the 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 sages expounded on it. it doesn't say it as he normally would say. In Rei Vetter, in most places, Umedrashay, he would simply say, and the Medrash is, and he would give the Medrash. Here he says, Umedrashay, Kach Darshua Rabbeseinu. So that explains why he does that too, because the Mitz is Rashi Madgish, because with this he, he means to emphasize, as the Pirush from Medrash Farzich is Rachel from Shudish Mikra, Unish Kendrasha Karalupchat. Because he's trying to say that this Medrash, normally when Rashi quotes a Medrash, it's only those Midrashim which are close, interpretable, by, in, similar to the Shudrash Mikra, a Medrash which lends itself to the simple explanation of the Psukim as well. But something which departs from the simple explanation of the Psukim, Rashi usually doesn't bring. But over here, he's giving you a Medrash which is not, in, in, it doesn't leave can, it doesn't sort of lend itself to the simple understanding of it. And he's trying to emphasize that. This is a medrash which has been expounded as a drush in the, in the style of medrash rather than in the style of pshat. It remains a drash. It doesn't really lend itself to the pshat. That's what he's trying to point out. 
The only thing he's trying to do, not to say that this is the simple meaning of the Pasuk, but first he gave you the simple meaning of the Pasuk. Now he gives you a drash, which as a continuation to that understanding of how that Pasuk is, was taught in the simple meaning, he needs to tell you this as well, even though it's a drash. As midvachadalta made the pasuk oichzum haramazayim pamshat achidel that we're saying the chadalta is also trying to tell you that there is times when you are permitted to refrain from helping. The signa nacha to say it in other words, durch bringing them medrash by telling us this medrash as pamshat achidel that sometimes you are permitted to refrain. Vet recht shaila anal. That's going to answer the question that we asked before. Nishtim Pshata Posuk, it'll answer it not in the simple understanding of the Posuk, nor Favos Tafkeda, Muzdatiru Shailzandam Kosalkadaitach, Shematiri Vachadalta Mazurloi. This Medrash is not trying to teach us what the meaning, this the meaning of the Posuk is, but rather it's trying to teach us why does the Torah bring it here? Why does the Torah find it necessary to tell you in this particular case that if you think that you can ignore it, you can't ignore it. That's what he's trying to answer with this medrash. He's already told you what the meaning of the Pasuk is. But we were left, as we said, with a, a question. Why over here does the Torah finally, uh, suddenly find it necessary to tell us this, that you're not allowed to ignore it? You think you can ignore it? Why suddenly here? That's what the medrash is going to answer. Why here does the Pasuk find it necessary to tell us to say you think you can ignore it? No, you can't ignore it. But the pshat, the simple meaning of the pasuk, remains what it is, and the reason is, since the fact is that sometimes the Torah gives you the right to ignore it, to refrain from helping. So therefore, a person could be led to, into the mistaken way of thinking. Or maybe he's not even making a mistake, or maybe he's just taking the liberty of applying that. Um, that heter that the Pasuk gives you in certain situations and he might want to apply it to his particular case even though it really doesn't apply there what would he think since the Torah already gives permission to refrain from helping in certain cases so then in my case even though I don't, uh, you know, I don't really see what the reason is why I should ignore it, but the Torah already allows it, probably allows it here too, or I will take the liberty of applying that same heter that I don't have to help in this case either. That is to say, Sorry, I said that the river is da the pasuk That's why over here the pasuk has to tell you. That's why the pasuk here has to tell you. Because there are situations in which you are permitted to ignore it, therefore I, d- I have to tell you, don't think that you can use this opportunity to ignore it. You think you can ignore it in this case too? Don't ignore it. You have to help him. In order to explain why is it that the cases in which you are permitted to refrain from helping could lead you to the mistaken impression that you could apply that same exemption to your case too? So Rashi tells us what the cases are when you are allowed to refrain. Number one is if he's an elder and it's not, uh, it's beneath him. Since we see from that Allah that because of the honor and respect and the dignity of a person, he's allowed to he's allowed to refrain from helping. So then for sure, I would assume that if only for my dignity I'm allowed to ignore it, and if I feel weak and I feel that it's too difficult to lift heavy packages, for sure I should be able to ignore it. The second example, Behemus Nochrim Asoshal Yisrael, the animal belongs to a guy, even if the load belongs to a yid. The fun zetme from this we see, as misdonished oisens of a maiden dem tsar from the behemoth. This, as we said before, shows 
that it's not about the tsar of the animal, the pain of the animal, the distress of the animal. Because if it belongs to a guy, you could refrain from helping. And that's why Rashi first says that sometimes you're allowed to refrain and sometimes you have to help. He's not trying to say that the, in most cases you do have to help. There are some exceptions to the rule where you don't have to help. Nor, rather what he's saying is the chi of prike is what he's trying to point out is that this mitzvah, that you have to help unload that animal, is a narrowly applied mitzvah. It doesn't apply in all cases. He's trying to say, this is not a... Look, 99% of the time you have to help. There is an exception and you can ignore it. No. The mitzvah is designed, the parameters of this mitzvah are, sometimes there is the mitzvah does apply, Sometimes it doesn't apply. It's as, almost as if to say that they're equal. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. It's not that most of the time you have to, sometimes. It's just depending on the situation. And therefore, is fashtandik as a mensch can sich dabei leicht meurer hätte sein und nicht zu mekaim Therefore it becomes understood how could a person... Is decide that he has an exemption because the whole mitzvah is designed in such a way that sometimes it does apply, sometimes it doesn't apply. So anyone wants to apply, this is the, ex- the this is the time when I'm exempt. I am one of those cases in which it's exempt, and that's why because of these two situations, both lend us lend themselves to the person taking liberties of applying an exemption to himself the river is that's why the Torah has to emphasize and tell you if you think that you're exempt I'm telling you you're not exempt the Torah has to, has to eliminate that approach you think you could ignore it you can't ignore it you have to help him in other words, to summarize, Rashi is still leaning on the simple pshat of the Pasuk. The pshat of the Pasuk is, if you think that you can ignore it, don't think you can ignore it. That leaves the question, why would the Torah have to tell us that in this case? That's why Rashi brings the Medrash. Not that he changes to a new explanation. This Medrash explains why the Torah has to tell you in this case that you can't ignore it. Because the two examples show us that it's possible, there is cases, not only there is cases, half and half. There are times when you do have to help, times when you don't have to help. Therefore, the Torah has to, so it's so easy to take that liberty to say that I'm exempt. So the Torah has to emphasize, you think you're exempt? No, you're not exempt. And based on this, we can also understand now. Why does Rashi first bring the example of the elder whom it's beneath him? Before the case of the animal the, that belongs to a guy, which was what we asked before. And the Mechilta brings the animal belongs to a guy before the other example, even though it's not the Zokan Venelufikvaidai. He brings the example of the Kayan in the Beis Akvaris, but the first example was the animal belonged to a guy. So why does Rashi put that one second and the first one, the elder? Because the main reason why a person might think that I also am exempt comes from the case of the elder and it's beneath him. Mashenke the ptur from Beimus Nachri is a tuffel this tam v'siyua as the chiyu bechlal zonizayin chamer beinov, and the second exemption that you know when it belongs to a guy is only sort of a support. He would you wouldn't be able to rely on that reason to show that I am exempt too. Why is that? Because the first one actually shows that there are cases in which you are exempt, an elder 
because it's beneath his dignity, doesn't have to do it. So then I, who uh, I'm too weak to do it, or I feel like it's too hard to, to work, that would be a direct, uh, there's a direct correlation between those two. And that's the main reason why a person would think that he's exempt. The other one, the behemoth, it's not about the animal. It's about the owner. So that's only sort of lends, it gives a little more support to show that it's really not about the animal, and therefore, why do I have to help this animal? But it isn't really the main reason. And there Rashi picks the first one as the main reason why a person might consider that I too am exempt. And it also explains simply, Why Rashi does not bring the example of the Koyan in the cemetery? Because from that example of a Koyan that has to refrain from going into a cemetery, that's not going to give you an excuse why you don't have to help. Because first of all, das is azalt and metzias. It's a very, it's an extreme situation which we really wouldn't occur too too often. As a behemoth mitamasas also gefinin abeis that an animal with a heavy load happens to be in a cemetery, when the gefinin is a kain, and that it happens to be that the kain is the one that uh, runs into it. That's an extreme situation. And the same, th- the, the second reason, the ikka, that's the main thing. The tamap tur is forbidden with chaimer from tumas kayan, because what's the reason there that the kayan doesn't have to go in there? Not because it gives you there is an exemption to helping out, not at all. It's because a kayan has such a serious uh, prohibition to go into a cemetery, so that's why he's not allowed to go. It doesn't give you an excuse. It shows that it's not too important to help, not at all. It just shows that a Kayan's prohibition to go to a cemetery is very, very serious. It doesn't in any way show that there is, or not enough, it doesn't show enough that there is an exemption for, um, for helping out to unload the animal. Zion. And that also gives additional explanation to why the, the, uh, the, the warning of the Torah that should you think that you can ignore it appears only in the second Pasuk, in our Pasuk, and not in the previous Pasuk where it talks about returning the lost animal to its owner. Even though by returning a lost object also has the exemption that sometimes you are allowed to ignore it. So why didn't, doesn't the Torah find it necessary to show it there? To point out that no, you don't have an exemption, you must return it. Is because by Ashavas Aveda Pasnish Tzuzogn, by Ashavas Aveda doesn't really lend itself to say as mitzad they found an atomisalum that because there are some exemptions where you're allowed to ignore it, like an elder or whatever. Vetmen, uplenairas, heteref, mekel, zain, saklos, mitzvazu, and that because of this people will take it at the liberty to apply the exemption to themselves as well. In about the whole mitzvah of returning a lost object, that doesn't really work because because in most cases returning a lost object does not include hard work it's not hard work the like the Pasuk over here talks about an, uh, an animal that is uh, wandering, that is lost an animal in most cases you don't have to carry it itself even if you have to carry it 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 carries itself to a certain degree. And in the Sefer Dvarim, it even talks about a garment, or anything that he loses. In most cases, a lost object does not is not talking about a uh, a skid of bricks. It's talking about something which is manageable. That's how you get lost. That's how it got lost. It got there because it wasn't too difficult for it to get there. So you can return it without too much trouble either. So therefore a person that doesn't sort of look to find exemptions, excuses why he shouldn't have to do it. 
by prika, which talks about a heavy load, and you have to unload the animal, and then maybe later you have to load it back up. Is the san arvid versus tamit fabunim That's always a difficult job. Since an elder doesn't have to do it, therefore you could apply an exemption take the liberty to say, well, you know, I'm not either in the mood. It's too difficult for me too, not only for an old man. Ches. So that explains the Rashi. In Pirish Rashi, in Rashi we find many extraordinary things as well in addition to explaining the simple pshat. According to the explanation of in regards to this Pasuk as Chamoir, when it says, when you will find the chamoir is merames a guf chamoir the donkey is talking about your body because that's the coarse part of your uh, person, of you as a person, as opposed to the neshama, which is a more refined aspect of the person. The chamoir, the chaymer, the coarse elements are the body. So the chamoir is your body. When ozev tazev imay and the mitzvah to help out. The the chamoir the body main what that means is that tarnish falozen tarnish falozen guf you to abandon or 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 break the body through tinyus through fasting v'segufim or other self torment. Normadaf imavarim the mission is to elevate and refine the body, not to break and crush the body. That's how the Baal Shem Tev explains this passage. So one could say, as the far brings Rashi That's why the Rashi brings these two ways in which that you can ignore, that you can refrain. One is that it's an elder and it's beneath him, and the other one is the animal belongs to a guy and the load belongs to a yid. Why those two? Because these two examples describe what the Alter Rebbe, the two examples that the Alter Rebbe gives in Shulchan Aruch, when it is permitted to fast. The Hashem generally says a person shouldn't fast. It shouldn't be part of the of the the Adam that he's constantly fasting. But there are two situations in which the Alter Rebbe says it is permitted. Number one is tiny Yishol Tshuva. If somebody fasts for the sake of tshuva, and the other one is tiniest kedela marik another one is a higher level where it doesn't feel that he has to. It's not about tshuva so much as refinement to an additional level of refinement that he wants to bring to his to himself. That the, one could say that these two fit with the two way, uh, things that are described in Xeris Hatshuva, one at the end of Perek Aleph and at the beginning of, Peri, of chapter 2. Tiny What does what he mean by a fast of Tshuva? That's what it's talking about Tshuva. Or the perfection of Tshuva, reaching a higher level of Tshuva. Al Chatoim. For sins, a person committed sins, you have to do tshuva. Part of it is fasting. That Rashi alludes to by this, the description of the behema belongs to a goy and the load belongs to a yid. How does that describe tshuva for sins? When a yid commits sins, your body and your animal soul becomes torn away from Kedusha separated, severed from Kedusha and for the moment at least they come under the control of Klippah in other words the behemoth, the, behem, the animal the, the, uh, the body and the animal soul become belong now under the control of the Goy of the other side but since even the greatest sinner is also filled with mitzvahs like a pomegranate a massive for mitzvahs Yisrael and therefore the load he still has a load of Jewish uh, character 
full of mitzvahs anyway, so the body may belong or under the control of the guy momentarily, but the load that I have is full of mitzvahs. Even and certainly according to the uh, to, to what we know that Ayid, even when he while he is sinning, the neshama is still faithful to Hashem. The neshama remains whole. So that describes a fast for sins. But on the other hand, the fast which describe a further refinement. That comes after a person did complete shuvah. As the Alter Rebbe says in the beginning of chapter 2. Or either after he completed a perf- uh, full shuvah or he never really needed to do shuvah because he never actually sinned. Nor ervil durge mirkan evshalashem, but he wants to go through a further level of refinement, whether it's because he finished tshuva or because he never had to do tshuva, never sinned to begin with, but he still wants to have a further refinement. As zolzayin l'ratzon l'fnei Hashem, that he should become even more pleasing to Hashem. Unas ken zayin durdem tzveitin kitzei, and that could come from the other extreme. When a person is completely into very refined uh, occupation, he's a um, very spiritual per- type of a person. And that's why he leaves behind the body. He's so into thinking and his and and so on that he forgets that the body also needs to be uplifted. He ignores the body. It's possible that the body, because it never gets to be refined, so remains in a very coarse state. It's not that the person is coarse, it's that he is so removed from the body that he never pays attention to it and never t- does the work that it takes to refine the body. So the body remains coarse. And that might be what caused that he needs a further refinement for the body because he was so into spiritual things that he forgot about the body. Now he needs more refinement. The far dafer hum tainis, and that's why he feels he needs to fast. Because the fasting will bring a further refinement to the body. Dos is Rashi Meramez, and that's what Rashi is alluding to when he describes this, the other example, which is that it's an elder and it's beneath him. Those are the kinds of fasts which pertain to a person that is an elder. An elder means not somebody that is old, but somebody that has acquired wisdom. The Fad is by M. The Saskus and Birvzichagufai. And that's why his preoccupation, his work with his body, with those kinds of fasts, is, you know, having to deal with the body is something which is beneath him. It really isn't who he is. It's something that he has to lower himself to deal with his body. Usually he's busy dealing with spiritual matters. Um, is beneath his uh, spiritual standing. And therefore, this, these fasts which are to refine, further refine the body, is just to make up those things which he missed because he didn't deal with his body. This explains at least from the uh, from the perspective of Chassidus about a Kayan that is in a cemetery what would be the example that correlates to the Kayan in the cemetery in the spiritual sense why is it the same? The behema is benakvaris. It's the animal is among in the cemetery amongst the uh, graves. 
Durchatoyim is the Guf and Bahamas. What that means spiritually is that through the sins that he committed, the body and the animal soul, Yeridim Makam Amizabatuma, have descended to the place of death and Tuma. Similar to what we said before, that the it's, it belongs to a goy. The 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 behemoth is the had come come under came under the control of the goy. But in the shama, for Eden, but on the other hand, in the shama, the yid is in the bechinah from baskayin. But the shama remains a kayin, so it's a kayin in a place of death of tuma. The shama is the kayin. The body is the is in the place of death and tuma. So the neshama remains outside and beyond, above the place of death and tumma. Because even when a yid commits a sin, the neshama remains faithful to Hashem. So essentially, it's describing exactly the same situation as the 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 chamer shul goyim shul yehudi shul yisrael. So Rashi doesn't need to bring both examples. When Rashi Rashi picks the example of The choice that Rashi could have made would be either or so why did he choose one over the other? So the one, the reason he didn't choose a kayim bevesakvaris because that's just similar, just just a repetition of the previous one of the of the behemishal goy and masoy shal yisrael. So he doesn't want, need to bring. So that's why he brings the one of zokem elufikvedik. Or Rashi klipdays them foul for zokem elufikvedik dafke, and he chooses that one. Because spiritually speaking, there really isn't the situation of a kayan that could be in a cemetery. Because, in other words, in, in the place of Tumor. Because even the Jewish body is an eternal thing, it's the has holiness which remains always. Um, it's never subjected to true death and uh, you know loss. As his myciodel is but it's something that Hashem is proud of. It's the his handiwork that he's proud of refers to the to the body. And that's what Hashem chose when it says Hashem chose the Yidin as the Alter explains. It means that he chose the Jewish body, not talking about the soul, but talking about the body. So even the Bechira, the choice that Hashem makes of the Jewish people is about the body. Obviously, that body is never going to become lost in the place of death. Which can never be totally lost. What is possible is that he should be under the control of the guy. But that only changes who controls him. As is a tachas that for temporarily could be under the control of a guy. But it can't subject the guf to an actual fundamental change, which death would be a fundamental change. That's why Rashi doesn't like that example. Because in the end, even when it's under the control of the guy, it's still a Jewish body. As their etzem aguf naid and that you should say that a Jewish body is in a place of death in a cemetery that spiritually it's dead that can't be said and that's why Rashi doesn't bring according to Chassidus doesn't bring that example at all and this also has ramifications in Allah that even a, go, a yid, that even the Torah acknowledges that he sold himself into slavery to a goy, is damut gufe is er eina from the is er eina from the libne yisrael abadam abadahem shtari kaidem. Even then, the Torah says he belongs to me. He is one of my servants, and I my claim to him comes before the goyish claim to him, which bought him after. In other words. So the Torah acknowledges that even somebody that belongs as a slave to a guy, he's mine. I come first. My ownership comes first.
test. And thus, as the beer up, that's also the explanation in the Tzvei Pirush of Asrashi Zogdo and Pasuk, and the two explanations that he gives in this Pasuk. Lloyd Pshutai, according to the simple understanding of Chadal Tamazev Lloyd, that you will refrain from helping him, Atmiyat. It's with a question mark. You will refrain from helping him. Aid versus Ayosha Haylok that Aid that walks a straight path. Vialikim asas Adam Yosha the way the pasuk says Hashem created the person as a straight walker. We go on the straight and narrow. On zing din the mevishin al pisei the Torah and this Yid serves Hashem as the way the Torah says. Zok the pasuk so the pasuk says v'chadal tamaz of leibet mir that you will refrain from helping him with a question mark as tarnid zayin can inyum from siguvim v'tainius as applies to the body there is not allowed to be you'll refrain from helping your body there's not allowed to be a person that walks the straight and narrow that doesn't have any extraordinary situations of tshuva and so on he has, is not allowed to subject his body to uh, afflictions and uh, torment and to fasting does break them goof which break down the body what your occupation with your body your involvement with your body has to be to refine it and to uplift it so that's the simple meaning but then comes an additional a deeper explanation over here you have to look already about such people that did commit a sin or maybe if they didn't actually commit a sin but they weren't perfectly straight in their behavior therefore over there sometimes there is the uh, situation in which you are allowed to ignore the body in other words you're allowed to fast you're allowed to subject it to some deprivation and even so notwithstanding the fact that because of tshuva you're allowed to fast and even somebody that is unable to fast in other words it does cause some harm he doesn't have a strong constitution that it comes easily to fast it's difficult for him to fast a clear teaching that in our generations that in our time day and age you're not allowed to do too much of fasting even the kind of fasting which is the sake of tshuva but better to redeem the fast that you wanted to subject yourself to by giving stocker. And since the fact that we have weak constitutions today that are not allowed to fast too much is not because we chose to do that, rather, that's how Hashem created us. <coughs> so without question, as that it's, therefore it's certain that even in this Avaida because they say that we're too weak to be able to fast and so they suggest that we should do it otherwise so we know for sure that there is nothing missing in doing it their way that would also fix the problem that you feel you need to fix you wouldn't do any better by fasting do what the Alter Rebbe and the Baal Shem Tov said and you're just as well served and you have fixed the problem as much as you, you would have done with fasting in our generation we were given the ability to be able to fix those things those negative things that we have to de- deal with in an in a way that is not connected with pain and worry and so on but rather we deal with it through joy and a good heart and we can fix the problems in that way.